This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 27, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And we all know what we're mainly going to talk about today a uh, big drop in the markets, the coronavirus threat, and the big impact that is going to have uh, on economies. And clearly, markets are starting to price that in. And we're going to talk about the ramifications and how that might affect your portfolio and where we're at, we get a bounce. Uh, I actually think it is going to come soon, uh, but this is something that will be around for a while and you need to know how to handle the volatility. This is something we talk about all the time. We talk about the developing a portfolio and a strategy that mitigates volatility. And this shows you how quickly volatility can hit and how fast it can impact you as an investor. And how this is, and we're going to talk extensively how different this is than a lot of uh, different, a lot of sell-offs in the past caused by other factors, and this one's pretty unique. So we're going to touch uh, on that. You're listening to Invest Talk, and our goal each and every weekday is to help you create good habits, both on the saving and investing side, in order to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you'll call me in this hour. And through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast, I can help you become a better investor. That's our goal. And one way Steve and I are able to do this is by implementing a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. This is not CNBC. We're not just going to rah-rah everything. We're going to give you uh, hopefully a balanced view of the market, of the economy, of the political environment, the uh, different asset classes, right? And we are doing this because we are dedicated to unbiased guidance and we only recommend investment strategies that we implement ourselves for ourselves. We call that parallel investing. And now I'm ready to take your call. I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART. Our phone lines are open. So give me a call. Now, let me mention that I'm traveling to San Jose on the 20th of March. Steve, Steve was there today, actually, meeting with uh, a lot of our listeners and clients. And I have my afternoons full on the 20th, but I do have uh, a couple of morning appointments if anybody wants to jump on for no cost, no obligation portfolio reviews. You can sit down with me for a personalized consultation. Once again, March 20th, that's in San Jose. You can register at investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that the U.S. new home sales surged, beat expectations today. And housing itself accounts for about 3% of GDP. So how much will this surge help the economy? We're going to touch on that. Also, what are the alternative metrics to look at when trying to understand how the coronavirus is affecting China. Because we all know their data is not reliable in any sense of the word. This is why we're in this situation is because they hid the truth. They uh, didn't 
take the proper measures. They jailed doctors for speaking out about uh, what was happening. And this is why we're in the situation, frankly, because they didn't take the measures early enough to prevent it from becoming a community-acquired disease, right? Where you're out in the community and you get it. And that's where we are. That's where we are globally. Uh, and that's why we're in this pandemic and why it's probably going to continue. So we're going to talk about the alternative data to see what really is happening in China. Also, mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are near a three-year low, but the 10-year is at a record low. So why are mortgage rates even lower than they already are? Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then whatever else is on your mind. So I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART, 888 Take a quick look at the market today. Another bloodbath. Down about 4% on average. The Qs were down 6%. S&P was down 5.3%. Big, big down day. I think we're near a crescendo. Um, you know, we all know that this will pass. This isn't going to wipe out the world or anything like that. We have four coronaviruses that have been around for decades being passed around between humans. Uh, this is just a different one, uh, a novel one, uh, maybe more, maybe worse, but it's not something that is going to create Armageddon. So we, we, we know that we'll go past it. The question is when, uh, and we're going to talk about this throughout the show of how to know how to react, okay? And uh, we're going to start with talking to Bryce in Florida, and he wants to talk about stock evaluation. Bryce, you there? A young college student, and, and I entered the market a couple months ago, and I've had a lot of success just using my intuition and investing in companies I like. But now I'm seeing mm -hmm. volatility and pullback for the first time since I've been in the market. And I've been more interested in learning how to do mathematical evaluations on companies. And I was just wondering, mm -hmm. like, where does a beginner like me start, like, when doing a mathematical evaluation? Well, you, you first need the good data, right? So you need to have good data sources that could come from your broker. I know uh, we use TD Ameritrade and then we have great resources there. Uh, there are other brokers that, that also uh, give you great resources and research on different companies. So that's, that's where to start. You need to get the data in the first place. Then you need to know how to understand it. You need to under know how to um, analyze it and, and develop a thesis for the business, for the company, uh, and its value uh, and its long-term growth trajectory. And so that that's really where you where you need to come. You're, you're new to this game. You have been in a market that, you know, it's been easy to make money, especially in names that, like you said, quote unquote, you understand, you like, that you know about. Um, but, you know, the majority of companies that are great investments, you probably have never heard of. Uh, and you know yeah. you're you're kind of chasing the, the you're chasing the hot stock right now. You're chasing the hot sector, the interesting, exciting names. Um, and that's great when markets going up, when growth stocks, quote unquote, are doing well. Um, but now you see what a real market's like. Um, you know, and this is why this is different. Uh, not because it's caused or because of the coronavirus, but because this is a catalyst that central banks can't print out of. Um, and so you're starting, this, this is why this is more like a real market. Uh, and so 
you need to kind of pull back, maybe reduce your exposure here and start looking at different sectors, different businesses, gathering the right information, reading about what factors and what metrics to pay attention to, not just the hype or the story, um, because yes, that can matter in the near term and drive stock prices up or down, but in the long term, it's about earnings, cash flow, dividends, etc. That's where you'll make money consistently long term. Make sense, Bryce? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Are there and are there any uh, websites that you suggest that have a lot of this uh, data that's reliable? Yeah, I mean, I always say Morningstar is a great place to start. There is a premium segment of it, but even the free part of the site, uh, there's a key stats for individual companies, and that gives you a lot of great data uh, over the last 10 years on a business and its trajectory and its profitability, its dividends, its balance sheet, etc. So you can get a lot of free information on there as well. It takes a, a little work, but uh, that's that's the number one place uh, that I like. And then, you know, we have, we use Y charts. That's a hundred dollars a month, uh, I believe is their simple service. Uh, and that gives you a ton more data, economic, uh, et cetera, charts, all that. So, and once again, go to your broker, broker will have a lot of good data as well. Thanks for the call, Bryce. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we present this program with five new so- shows each week, Monday through Friday. And it's broadcast and streamed live in the 4 o'clock time hour. I invite you to explore our podcast library as well. You can search, listen, and subscribe. And you can rate the podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. So I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's been another busy week for the markets, lots of news, and coronavirus uncertainty. But you're interested in achieving financial freedom, so you want and need unbiased investing guidance. You're in luck. Justin Klein is here now, and he's taking your calls live. InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Eight eight ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight and I want to hear from you. I want to know how this is affecting you. How are you? What what areas of the market are you eyeing to pick up, or are you waiting longer? How, how are you handling this, and how is your portfolio handling? And is it as expected? This is a good barometer for your portfolio to understand what level of volatility is possible. And guess what? I know this feels painful. This is a quarter of what 2008 was. Quarter, not even. So, you know, we're what, 7-8% from all-time highs? 10% maybe? I haven't calculated it from the top. It's nothing. Uh, In the grand scheme of things, it's often or should be expected. Okay. Now, as investors, we've been watching how the market has reacted to this news. And the big question is, how does market psychology play into this? Some of it is just simply risk management. Uh, a lot of companies or a lot of funds are deleveraging. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple hedge fund blowups uh, on this because of how swift it was, because of the level of margin in the markets. So remember, that is a factor as well. Now, often when you have force selling like that, where there is deleveraging, 
you get opportunity. Now the question is, where do you pick up opportunity? What was interesting today for me was gold miners were down about as much as the market. Gold was up. Tells me there was forced selling. Didn't jive, right? So I thought that was an interesting uh, a little, little tidbit. And utilities as well. REITs, bond proxies, those sold off as well. So once again, forced selling. Now here are some statistical updates for the coronavirus. We have, let's see, I'm looking at the John Hopkins dashboard. We're at 82,757 cases. The problem is, once again, bulk of that is China. And you cannot in any way, shape, or form trust those numbers. So you have to look at the other countries. And the charts, if you ever go to this, pretty easy. You can go to the bottom right. There's a chart and other locations uh, and other locations continue to rise at a, an exponential rate uh, because this is something that is very, very hard to contain because of the two week incubation period, because of the fact that anybody could have that, could have the coronavirus or what we call now COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 is actually the name. COVID-19 is the disease it creates or causes. Uh, anybody could have it and you can go out to church or out to dinner, to a big family event, whatever, and you can pass it along. And that's why it's, I think, nearly impossible to contain without major, major economic impacts. Blockades, quarantines, forcing people to stay at home and not converse with other people. So, uh, you know, this is something that isn't going to slow down. Said this two, three weeks ago, it's going to get worse. The hope, there's two hopes. We have a vaccine, probably unlikely in the near term, or it's seasonal. In the summer, it kind of dies down, goes away, and then this becomes the fifth coronavirus that we pass along to humans we develop immunity to it and we live on as humans i think that's more likely 888-99 chart 888-992-4278 give me a call this is invest talk steve peasley is in san jose today conducting his no cost and no obligation portfolio review consultations with registered clients And Justin Klein is on duty here at the studio. He's ready to take your calls and questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Dan from New York. Uh, Just got a quick question for you. I purchased H&R Block at $22.25. I've been watching it go down consecutively. I was wondering what I should do with it. I purchased it as a a value play, and I'm concerned that the value is not there anymore. Should I put a stop loss on it? And if so, at what price? Or should I just let this sit? And it still has good value is the question. Thank you. All right, looking at H&R Block. And this is a name that struggled for a long time, mainly just simply because it's been stagnating. Its earnings in 2018 uh, almost at three dollars a share, and 2019 made 216, only 242 expected this year. 
so it's slow growth. Uh, dividends nice, four point nine percent. But the big question is, you know, does does it have a an avenue to to reaccelerate its growth? Um, and that's what I'm concerned about. I know they have uh, now online software. Uh, their their leases are probably getting pretty cheap because a lot of them are in strip malls, things like that. So I think that's helpful. Uh, let's see, they've been they've been buying back shares. Yeah, they've been buying back shares with that free cash flow. Um, so I like the metrics. I like the metrics. I'm just worried about getting their business to to reaccelerate. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential to unlock the business because of the name, right? They have a name in the financial world uh, and to expand their product base. Uh, and I think good leadership could get this out of the doldrums. Uh, now, my out on H&R Block would be the about $19 a share an hour at $21.27. So your risk reward at this point is pretty modest because if they can turn around, get some growth, continue to buy back shares, you get that nice 5% dividend. You know, I, I don't hate it, especially based on the, the long-term track record of the business and high return on invested capital. Uh, but you're going to need probably a change in management to get this thing really moving. Um, so you have to be patient with it. And I would use that 19 as an out. <clears throat> Let's go to Cherie in Fremont. Let's talk about the economy. How are you doing, Shree? I'm doing good, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. So I have a question. So wanted to find out how was during uh, SARS outbreak? Was it uh, just as volatile as we're having it right now? And uh, and then how was gold doing at that time? Uh, I SARS was early 2000s. Uh, the economy here, the market wasn't doing that well, um, but this is very different. You know, SARS, this, even though this is SARS-CoV-2, uh, SARS back then, it couldn't be transmitted unless you were showing symptoms. So it was a lot easier to contain, right? Uh, if you were sick, you went to the hospital, you were contagious, they, they quarantined you, and it was a lot harder to spread because people weren't out there in the community at big events, talking to people, etc., and you know, it was a lot easier to contain. So I can't, I don't want to use this as an analogy because it's extremely different. It's, it's a lot more widespread. It doesn't seem to be as deadly as the first one. Um, but it's a lot more contagious. And because the incubation, incubation period being, you know, two to three weeks, uh, it's very different. So, um, you know, I have to go back and look at the charts and what the dates were exactly. Um, that was early in my career. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't use it as an analog. Uh, another question I have is that: Do you think it's the right time to actually invest in gold ETFs, or should we wait any? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I do think this is a, a buying opportunity. Like I said today, uh, gold was up, GLD was up three cents, not a lot, but it was up. Uh, but the GDX was down, geez, uh, about four percent ish, five percent, yeah. Uh, so. Pretty interesting. It just shows that people were just deleveraging their portfolio, or investors, or hedge funds were just deleveraging their portfolio. They had to sell everything, uh, and uh, that's usually a time where there's opportunity. You just have to figure out where that opportunity is. And I do think gold ETFs are a good place for that right now. Thanks for the call, Shree. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. Wants to talk about energy stocks. Um, yeah, they're starting to look interesting. Um, I own a lot of Exxon and Chevron, and Exxon has just dropped like a bomb. And uh, mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about buying more. I'm probably too early. Um, 
but I haven't seen it at this price since what 2005, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, uh, and, you're you're getting some some definitely some cheap prices on on Exxon, and there was extreme volume today. Uh, the biggest volume that we've mm-hmm. seen in you know many many moons. Like I'm trying to go back and see what we did about 400 and almost yeah almost five million shares on Exxon today, uh, which is extremely high. I'm trying to remember the last time we were at these levels. Yeah, the last time we were at these levels uh, in volume or even close to it was 1221 of 18, and that was kind of the the peak panic. Remember the fourth quarter of 2018 that that bottomed or that bottomed around that time. Or Exxon did. Um, so I do think we're pretty close to a near term bottom in oil. The big question is, you know, is this the longer term bottom, you know, medium term, short term, I think we're close. Um, a lot will depend on how long the coronavirus issue drags out. Thanks for the call, John. Nick from Martinez. Hang on. We're going to go to a quick break. You will be next. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story. Attempting to time the market can be dangerous, but seasoned experts are used to looking for certain signals. How to tell when a bear market is coming. Story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me? For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action with the active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Let's go to Nick, Mar- Nick and Martinez looking at Toll Brothers. Looking to buy it? You own it? Yeah, I'm looking to buy it, actually. Um, wondering how it would hold up in this type of environment, as far as you know, and maybe get some analysis going forward. Well, it, it hasn't held up. It had earnings a couple days ago. Didn't uh, the, the market didn't like it. Uh, their margins were hit. Uh, and the revenues are down 2% year over year. Earnings down 46% year over year. Yields only 1.2%. Uh, and if you look at a long term, it's at the same level, basically, it's been since 2014, and the housing market's done very well since then. So, you know, I worry that it's not being well run, um, and so I would look, there, there's another in this space. I can't tell you what the name of, I can't tell you what it is, 
but there's another one that's in the you know first time home buyer market or the home builder that's much better run uh, has a higher dividend has more consistent cash flows and profitability metrics lower debt I would be looking elsewhere in the space. I like what you're looking at. I like what you're talking about, how lower interest rates, that this should hold up, hold up relatively well, um, but it hasn't. And its longer-term track record is not very good. So um, I'll give you a quick hint. The symbol starts with an M and ends with a C. There's another letter in there in the middle, but I'll let you go find that out. Thanks, Nick. Let's go to Tina in Pennsylvania, who's a new investor and trying to figure out where to invest. Hi, um, I just turned 21 and I'm starting my first IRA. So I was planning to purchase just an ETS, but um, a lot of people suggested the 500, but I noticed the NASDAQ does better. So would it be a bad idea to purchase the NASDAQ instead of the 500? And how do I know when the buy since everything's dropping? Well, that's the million-dollar question. You're you're starting to see all the different uh, factors and variables that you have to to weigh. Um, now, the Qs are doing better, have been doing better lately because they're filled with growth stocks, and growth has been doing better than than value in general. Uh, and but is tends to be a lot riskier. Um, so understand. First thing you have to understand is there's risk versus reward. Just because it's returning better or something is performing better over the last few years does not make it guaranteed that it's going to perform the same over the next three years. Oftentimes, it's the exact opposite, and they tend to underperform, uh, even on a yearly basis. Usually, the best asset class, best sector in the market from the previous year tends to be one of the worst or the lowest performing uh, sectors or stocks the next year. Uh, It's not always the case, but that's how the statistics play out. Um, now, what would I do if I were you? Now that commissions are basically zero, I would start to look for big blue chip companies that pay a dividend that you understand that you like, that you maybe go shopping there regularly, use their services, whatever that is, and start to buy those names and building a portfolio. You'll learn a lot more. Now, Steve might tell you a little bit different. Um, you know, he might say you're getting instant diversification. You just buy the S and P. You know, and you just start that way. I, I'm, I have a different thought process. I, I think if you want to learn, you really want to understand companies investing. You need to invest in them, not just an index that someone else is choosing the mix. Uh, you need. To, I, I would invest in individual companies and make sure they pay a dividend so you understand that process as well. Hope that helped, Tina. Let's go to Daniel in Sunnyvale looking at UPS. Yeah, I'm looking at UPS and want to buy for long term. Uh, what's a good price to get in? And uh, you, I'm sure uh, you think it might be a good time to buy now or uh, maybe uh, later. Uh, I don't think it's a good time yet because I don't think this uh, fallout is uh, at the end, uh, economic fallout. Now, in the near term, I I think we could get a bounce on a lot of things, a lot of major indexes. Um, But for UPS in general, if I'm targeting an area where I like long-term support, long-term valuation, about $76 a share. Uh, Now we're at $90.24. 76 is that number. It's the 618 retrace from the low of 2009. You have breakout support area uh, from uh, around the 2013 
uh, time frame where it really broke out uh, all the way to that $135 share mark in 2018. Uh, so 76 is that number that I would love UPS at. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. No problem. Thanks for the call, Daniel. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that U.S. new home sales are surging and the strength in the housing market or the uh, percentage of GDP that housing attributes is 3%, which you know, isn't a lot in, in, in and of itself. However, there's a lot of other effects that it has, uh, right? You have brokers oftentimes get commissions even on new homes. Uh, you have people who go out there and want to buy products for their new home, whether that's furniture or maybe uh, a project to upgrade the home, whatever that is. And this creates a lot of jobs in the economy when housing is doing well. It's one of the reasons why lower interest rates, why the Fed tries to push lower interest rates to give juice to the housing market. Now, I think that is a poor way to uh, run an economy, is to be dependent on the housing market, but that's where we are. Now, sales of new U.S. single-family homes raced to a 12-and-a-half-year high in January. Remember, this is before the coronavirus was really talked about very much, only in China at that point. And the Commerce Department said that new home sales jumped 7.9% to a seasonally adjusted rate of 764. And December sales pace was actually upgraded from 694 all the way to 708,000 units. Now, what areas of the country did the best? Midwest was up 30%, highest level since October 2007. In the West, sales were up 23.5% to the highest level since July of 2006. And Northeast was up about 4.8%, but sales in the South actually fell, which actually accounts for the bulk of the transactions. So the West and the Midwest were fantastic. Great, uh, great markets. I know my cousin bought, was it January? Moved from here in uh, California and was one of those that is migrating out of California and bought a house in Idaho uh, near Boise because it, you get a lot more home for a lot less money. Uh, so uh, obviously that's driving some of this traffic as well. Went from being a renter to a new home buyer, which is great. Now, we all know the coronavirus is going to disrupt supply chains for manufacturers and that might dampen whatever strength the housing market get, might give to the economy. And you've even seen that with U.S. Uh, the IHS market flash PMI output index for U.S. manufacturing and service sectors that contracted to a 76-month low in February. So that is showing you that while you got a little tick up in January on the U.S. manufacturing base, you saw a tick down this month. Well, I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. We keep download statistics, and we know that many thousands of people, over 10,000, download each and every program. 
And in January, for example, we had monthly totals of over half a million. February is looking to top that as well. So Steve and I thank you for that. Please be, please be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk on our website, investtalk.com. A bunch of resources there to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And of course, you can call our KFP Financial Offices in Irvine, California. We'd love to sit down with you, talk to you over the phone. We can do Skype, FaceTime calls, whatever will help you get a hold of your portfolio and the strategy that works for you. So we want to help. Now our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sam in Hayward, and he wants to talk about companies that are working on a coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, I would hope, I hope, I hope they are working on, my question is, let's say, you know, they are whatever company, you know, uh, and they are working Johnson or whoever. Is it worth finding out and investing in those companies if they are working on a vaccine? Just because they're working on a vaccine doesn't mean they're going to come out with a vaccine or, or be successful at it. Uh, there's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of companies that are, are looking at this and trying to come up with a vaccine. Uh, and this could come out of a non-public company, right? It could be from a company that's either private, uh, could be come, coming from a, a national organization, maybe here in the U.S. or in China or some other country. Uh, so to guess where the vaccine comes out of, I think, is very difficult uh, unless you have very depth a depth of knowledge of the uh, that space, right? And you're you're a doctor or you're a scientist in that space, maybe you have a better sense. Um, I'm not, uh, and so uh, to to go and speculate on that uh, is just you're, you're you're you might as well go to the craps table. Thanks for the call, Sam. Let's go to Farhan in Sunnyvale. Wants to talk about banking. Um, hi Justin, thank you for taking my call. My sometimes build up um, some exposure to regional banks, small banks like the PacWest or via the ETF. I forget the ETF name. Um, but do you think that's a good idea? This is primarily for the dividend. But given the low interest rate right now and likely perhaps uh, further rate cuts, is that the right way to go build up a dividend exposure? I'm not a fan of banks. Uh, I just think that we're going to keep rates so low for so long. We're we're in the midst of financial repression, right? And uh, the reaction function of central banks is to any weakness, and you're probably going to see this over the next three to six months, the Fed's going to lower rates. Really, the tool they have is try to lower borrowing costs. Uh, and that hurts bank profitability. You see the yield curve very flat. 
Um, and I just don't think that's we're an environment that banks are going to do very well. So I much rather focus on other areas of the market uh, that tend to do well when rates do drop, right? Like utilities, like REITs. You know, those are much better dividend areas than any part of the banking sector, even though regional, you know, they have their, their strengths. Um, but I would pass on the bank sector. Not say you don't have any, but I would be very underweight the banking sector. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Blake in Seattle looking at Disney. Hi, Justin. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for your podcast and all you guys do. Um, yeah, I was curious about Disney. I had noticed it's one of the stocks that's dropped quite a bit in the last uh, couple of days with the uh, correction or nearing correction here. Um, and I was considering uh, buying. Um, I wanted to hear from you about your thoughts on the company for a long-term uh, position. Well, I do like Disney long-term. They have uh, a great track record of producing strong cash flows and profits and dividends for shareholders. And those are the companies that I like to buy at reasonable valuations. And the big question is, what is that reasonable valuation? Now, one thing I'm worried about is the recent step, stepping down of Iger. Uh, I don't think we've heard the last of this. I think there's, there's probably some bigger issues here um, that will come out later. Uh, but I, I would wait for a little more for that fallout, a little more fallout from the coronavirus, because they're, they're going to be hit a lot based on this because of their theme park uh, revenue. And so, you know, from a technical perspective, about 110, we've been, we were looking at 110 as like an, as a good area to, to, to pick up some shares. We may establish a position starting there. Um, but, you know, I, I also don't think, I think that's going to be hit relatively soon. And I don't think the peak of this worry and panic is relatively soon. Uh, so, I'm looking at something more like the the hundred dollar area. That's when I would really be interested in Disney. But uh, 110 is interesting. 100 is somewhat excited. Uh, and if we get down, you know, below 80, uh, I would be ecstatic. Thanks for the call, Blake. 88899 chart. 88992 That's how you get through and ask your question. We have. Seven minutes, eight minutes left in the show. If you want to come, if you want to give us a call, whatever it is about the market, individual stock, different asset class, commodities, bonds, housing, anything that's on your mind, money related, we'd love to hear from you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here each and every weekday on Invest Talk. That's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now. 888 chart. Now is a good time to call InvestTalk. Do we have a disadvantage, us investors, on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action They're right there in New York? And what's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach Justin right now on InvestTalk. On the next InvestTalk, this opinion, how to tell when a bear market is coming. Attempting to time the market can be dangerous, but there are certain signals that professionals look for. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. 
go to Kondu in North Carolina. Wants to talk about Occidental Petroleum. You want to buy it? Do you own it? Yeah. Uh, I don't own it. Um, so I'm a frequent listener of the show, and I heard you guys talking about a couple of times that uh, oil stocks, uh, stocks are beaten down. So I was looking at some of the stocks, mm. and Oxy looks very uh, uh, exciting. So what do you think? Is, is, it, is it a good price to enter in? I know for long term, it may not be a good option to be in the oil stocks because everybody is moving into um, you know, electric cars and all the stuff. But for, a, you know, maybe three to five years, if I want to hold it, is it a good option to enter now, right now? Well, you're, you're, are you, why you want to buy it? Is it because of the dividend, that nice 10% juicy dividend? Not, not really, but yeah, I mean, uh, okay. for a growth and dividend together, and I don't have a plan for like short term, just buy and sell it for a long term for a mm-hmm. uh, return, good return. Well, I, I do think that that dividend is going to be cut at some point, um, but I do think it, has, it is a great value. Um, you're going to need to expect a lot of volatility, especially in the near term as we deal with this coronavirus issue. Um, and they do have pretty uh, decent level of debt in their balance sheet, but we do like the name, uh, we do like their business and their long-term uh, track record of strong profitability, and so I think it's cheap uh, at these levels. Um, could it get cheaper? Absolutely, <laughs> it could get cheaper, but because of those consistent cash flows, uh, we like the name, so I would definitely uh, think about picking it up here if you don't have a big allocation to oil. Let's go to John in Escondido looking at AT&T. Hi, how are you, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you're wanting to buy AT&T or do you own it? Uh, I own it and I want to add to my position. I was wondering yeah. what you think okay. at this. I think it's the 35 and change or something like that today. Yeah, 3573. Uh yeah, I I like it. Uh we actually picked it up uh, unfortunately yesterday, not today, but uh we picked it up for some of our accounts. Um, I, I like it. I think the dividend uh, is going to be consistent. Uh, it's relatively uh, undervalued. I think there's some growth drivers uh, like the HBO Max uh, that I think will help them. I think there's some synergies with the Time Warner acquisition that they will uh, continue to enjoy. Uh, you know, they made a bad acquisition, I think, with Dish, not Dish, uh, what's the other satellite? Uh, DirecTV, there you go. Hey, uh, I think that was not a good acquisition. Yeah, I don't think that was a good acquisition. Uh, but, you know, when you take a lot of risks, you buy companies, you're going to make some bad acquisitions. Uh, hopefully they learn from it. Uh, I think the Time Warner was a good acquisition. Uh, and long term, uh, that dividend to me looks pretty solid. And their business is solid, consistent. And uh, I like those type of businesses. So uh, I would be looking to add AT&T. Now, I could see some more downside here to maybe the 34 uh, in change level, 3450, uh, but that's not too much lower than it is here. So um, I wouldn't really get too cute with it. Uh, I think this is a good area to add. Now, if we keep moving quickly, I can squeeze in one more question, the 888-99 chart. Hi, Steve, Justin. I have a question about the mutual fund, uh, PIMCO Income Fund. The symbol is a P-O-N-A-X. Since the yield of this mutual fund is a little bit high, I want to put $10,000 in this. I want to know 
weather is uh, very risky. Just want to get your opinion. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, PONAX uh, is an A-share fund, and you're going to have a load of 3.75%, so I definitely would avoid that. It looks like the yield is about 2.5% on the PIMCO uh, income fund, uh, which you know, is not great, to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I like the fund. I like the fund, but I would, wouldn't be paying a load. Uh, I wouldn't have a high allocation, uh, to this damage because that yield, it, it's so modest. Uh, so I would pass on it just because I don't like bond funds in this environment. Uh, I would buy individual bonds. That's the best way to go. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I return on Monday and Steve will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.